you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. I'm Pastor Mark. Welcome to Life in the Sun. We're glad you're here. It's already been rich, hasn't it? Um, Sabi, thank you for sharing that word. Um, if you were listening, that's our identity. That's our future. That's our hope, and it's beautiful. And uh, we take that to heart. Thank you for sharing that. Well, welcome to our series entitled Church Trademark. If you missed any of the messages leading up to today, here's a quick overview of what happened so far. We are studying the book of Acts, highlighting trademarks of the church. The author is Luke. Luke wrote a biography about the life of Jesus that we call the Gospel of Luke. And he addressed that biography to Theophilus. And then in Acts chapter 1, he continues recording for Theophilus the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the book of Acts is referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, but I think a better description is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Here's an interesting fact about Luke. Did you know Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other author? Surprising to some because Luke, I mean not Luke, but Paul wrote so many letters that make up the New Testament. We often think of Paul as the main author. But when you look at uh, the volume of the Gospel of Luke and the volume of the book of Acts, those two combined make up more of the New Testament than all of Paul's writings put together. And so here we are studying the book of Acts to highlight the trademarks of the church. And here's what we've covered so far. In week one, Armin illustrated that one of the trademarks of the church is being spirit-filled. And it was no accident that the Lord uh, prompted Armin to change his message that morning. Because God doesn't want us just to share a message. God wants us to be the message. And so on that day, Armin demonstrated being led by the Spirit when he sensed God wanted him to change his message. Now that's a tough thing to do because you don't feel as prepared. But how many of you know it's always better to do what God is doing rather than what we're doing? Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, God's way is always better. Now, in order to do that, we need to love God and be filled with his spirit. So that was week one. Week two, looking at Stephan as an example, we saw how God's people, the church, demonstrate spirit-filled service. In week three, looking at Paul and Barnabas, Jarrett highlighted how we are a community. And Jarrett got us out of our bubble by turning around and looking at each other. Remember that? Twice. Simple yet powerful. How many of you appreciate Jarrett? Today, we will highlight another trademark of the church. It's called prayer. Each week, life groups meet and eat and pray. We like doing this prayer thing. This week, we also had three days of praying and going deeper in God. In fact, from now on till the end of the year, every month, the last week of the month, we'll have three days of praying and fasting because we want more of God in our lives, 
in our families, in our workplaces, our island, all the islands in Micronesia and beyond. How many of you know nothing is impossible for God? On top of this, Zandra, uh, she heads up our intercessory team. They meet on Saturdays. There's also a group of praying moms. They pray over the phone. The point is this. Prayer is the trademark of the church. We pray because connecting with God allows us to join him and be a part of what he's doing. Simple yet powerful. Amen? On that note, let's pray. Our Father, we pray that we will rely on you more and more than ever before through prayer. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray without stopping. Father, I ask that you would open our spiritual eyes and ears to perceive your presence and hear your voice and rely on you like never before and follow you as we pray. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message will be brief because at the end, I'd like us to spend some extended time in prayer. Our text for today is from Acts chapter 12. This section of history opens with a church dilemma. There is another persecutor of the church. Over the last two weeks, we heard how Stephen was killed by the religious leaders and a persecution broke out led by Saul, the ringleader. In the midst of this persecution, God was at work supernaturally. After the persecution broke out, Philip went to Samaria. He proclaimed Christ. Many people in Samaria were delivered from unclean spirits. They were healed physically. Luke said that there was great joy in that city. Then Simon the magician, he became a believer. Philip was led by the Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch who believed and got baptized and then took the gospel to Ethiopia and northern Africa. Then Saul was converted when he encountered Jesus in a bright light on the road to Damascus. Then Jesus renamed him Paul, and he began proclaiming Jesus as the Savior of the world. Jesus was also working through Peter, who met Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years and paralyzed. And Peter went to Aeneas, and he said, Jesus Christ heals you, rise up and make your bed. And immediately he arose. All of the residents in that area saw Aeneas, and they turned to the Lord. And then shortly after this, Peter was taken to Tabitha, who died. All the mourners were there. They were, just, they were showing their, the cloths and linens that Tabitha used to fabricate. And uh, Peter sent them all out of the room. And then he knelt down next to her. And he looked at her body and he said, Tabitha, arise. And she woke up and opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, he handed her her hand and he lifted her up and then presented her to all the mourners. You can see why this letter is better named the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It was amazing. But then the church experienced another season of difficulty. In Acts chapter 12, we read this. About that time, Herod the king, he's a Roman ruler, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison. 
we can summarize this passage this way. Furious persecution from a tyrant. We can go to the next slide. Now, a lot of people get confused about Herod in the Bible. This isn't surprising because there's actually six different Herods. And they're all somehow related to each other. So here are thumbnail sketches of each one so you can keep track of who's who. Herod the Great, he ruled at the time Jesus was born. He's the one who killed all the baby boys in Bethlehem in an attempt to try and kill Jesus because he was prophesied to be the future king. And Jesus was warned in a dream and he fled to Egypt. Then there was Herod Archelaus. He was in office when Joseph and Mary came back to Israel. There was also Herod Antipas. He's the one who killed John the Baptist. Fast forward 20 years. Jesus and John the Baptist are now adults. Herod Antipas is the one who kills John the Baptist. He's in office at the time that Jesus is crucified. Next is Herod Philip. He ruled the territory to the north of Israel and to its east. And then there was Herod Agrippa I. I've highlighted him in blue because this is the Herod that we're talking about in Acts chapter 12. He's the grandson of Herod the Great. He killed the apostle James by the sword, and he arrested Peter and put him in prison. And then there was Herod Agrippa number two. He ruled in the 50s, not the 1950s. He was interviewed, he's the one who interviewed Paul in Rome in Acts 25 and 26. And so, this Herod Agrippa I, he's the one we're talking about here in Acts chapter 12. And so to review, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison. By the way, uh, this incident reveals another trademark of the church. Do you know what it is? When the church began, they had no name. They had no logo. They had no cool t-shirts. They had no Facebook account. They had no building. So how did you know if someone was a Christian? How did Herod know who to persecute? It was the same method that Saul used when he persecuted the church. It's found in Acts chapter 9. Paul came to experience Jesus on the road to Damascus in a blinding light. The Lord spoke to Ananias, said, I want you to go to Paul, gave him the address, said, I want you to pray for him to restore his sight, that he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias protested at first. He said, but Lord... I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. There it is. Did you catch it? Calling on the name of Jesus is a trademark of the church. This is closely related to prayer as a trademark. And that's how Saul and King Herod would identify the believers. Unfortunately, it's also the trademark which brought persecution. It's the same today. When you mention the name of Jesus, don't be surprised if you experience an adverse reaction from principalities and powers. Sometimes they work through people. 
Don't be surprised if you get bombarded with difficulty. Ultimately, the real struggle is not people, but spirits of the kingdom of darkness. And the enemy wants to pressure you to back down and to back off from talking about Jesus. The battle is real. And here we see an example. The Jews stoned Stephen. They killed James, the brother of John. And now Peter is in jail. What do you think the church expects will happen next with Peter? They killed Stephen. They killed James. Now Peter's in prison. What do you think they think is going to happen? Peter's next. Yes, they're going to kill Peter. And so in Acts chapter 12, it says Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. And so there's Peter in jail, and here's the church. They're praying. And Peter is there overnight. He's about to be tried the next day. We know it's going to be a setup. And in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, in the middle of this jail cell, there's a bright light, and an angel appears. And the angel hits Peter in the side to wake him up. He says, get up. Get your clothes on. Follow me. And the chains fall from his arm. He's in chains between two guards. Chains fall from his hands. He gets up. He gets dressed. They start walking out. As they're leaving the prison, the doors to the prison are opening by themselves as they walk through. And then he gets to the city gate. It, too, opens without being touched. Peter walks through, and all of a sudden, the angel disappears. And at that point, for the first time, Peter realizes this is real. At first, he thought he was seeing a vision. And so he goes to where the disciples are. They're all praying, and he knocks on the door. And there's a servant girl named Rhoda. She answers it, and Peter goes, hey, open the door. It's me, and she recognizes his voice. She's so excited, she didn't even open the door. She left it locked. She ran back into the room, told the believers, Peter's here. They're like, what? Peter's in prison. What are you talking about? No, he's here. They thought she'd lost her mind, but she continued to insist. And so finally they go to the door, they open the door, they're all just, they can't believe it, they're all shouting, he's like, shh, shh, shh. He tells them to be quiet, and then he tells them everything that happened, and then he goes to another place. And so all of this took place because fervent intercession, because of fervent intercession by the church. When Peter realized, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many were gathered together, and what? And praying. So how important is prayer in the church? God's supernatural power is released when the church prays. This is the faithful intervention of God. In answer to the prayers of the church, God sent his angel to rescue Peter from jail. Just imagine how many things don't happen when we don't pray. In answer to their fervent intercession, God rescues Peter from jail. And then something strange happened to Herod. After Peter escaped, Herod ordered the execution of the guards, and he went to Caesarea. Herod was angry with a town in that area, towns by the name of Tyre and Sidon, they knew it. They knew they were in trouble because their towns were dependent on Herod's country for food. 
And so they wanted to make peace with Herod. So they got in good with his personal assistant, found his favor. The assistant set up an appointment with Herod. And so on the day of, the, of this time for the people, the leaders of Tyre and Sidon to meet with Herod, he dresses in his royal robes, he takes his place on his throne, and he gives this eloquent speech to the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they give him this standing ovation. They say, it's the voice of a God, not of man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, that's Herod, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Wow, TMI. But the word of God increased and multiplied. That's a very dramatic contrast. Herod breathed his last, but the word of God continued to increase and multiply. Wow. How many of you saw the movie Breakthrough? The movie where the boy drowned in a lake? Anybody seen that movie? Great movie. I highly recommend it. Um, at the very end of the movie, very well put together, there is, uh, the credits are scrolling at the end of the movie. And then it comes to this blank screen. It's just black. And there's this little statement of white letters that just sit there, stationary. And it summarizes the whole movie. Boy died, mom prayed, boy came back to life. I thought, wow, it's about that simple. Church, Herod is about to kill Peter. The church prays and God intervenes. It's about that simple. There's a similarity between this story and your life. Anytime you begin to move toward God, anytime you speak in favor of God, make a decision to live for God, begin to talk about Jesus, the enemy does not want you to do that. He wants to shut you down. Doesn't want the news of God's love to spread. Be prepared that you may experience furious persecution. It doesn't always happen that way. For example, when Philip witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch, he had complete freedom, no interference whatsoever. On the other hand, when Peter was public about his faith, he was put on death row. It can go both ways, depending on the situation. But be prepared. Don't be surprised if you encounter great difficulty. Don't react the way the rest of the world would react. Call on Jesus to intervene for you and then watch and see what God will do. You will be amazed. When you pursue God and say the name of Jesus, you may experience furious persecution. We can go to the next slide. But remember... The answer to your trouble is God himself. And so we make fervent intercession and then watch and see what God will do. You have a situation, maybe a financial situation. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe a relationship issue. Maybe it's a habit or a hurt. You have a situation. We all have a situation. We as a church are going to pray, and God will intervene when we call on Jesus to help us. You know, when my kids were little, Nicole must have been about three years old. 
she was sitting on her bed eating a hot dog. She was laughing and talking, and all of a sudden that hot dog went down the wrong way and went, and it just stuck right in the top of her wind, her, her windpipe. And you could just hear, like, her voice just went silent. And the look on her face, she had a, an expression of panic. And instantly, she just lunged toward me. That's a picture. When we're in trouble, she, the first, her first instinct was to lunge toward her dad. When we are in trouble, our first instinct in the spirit is to lunge toward our Heavenly Father. The moment she did that, she just landed in my arms. And I did the same thing. I lunged toward my Heavenly Father. I said this prayer, but it wasn't audible. It was in my spirit. It was the loudest prayer I've ever prayed. It was the most powerful prayer I've ever prayed. Every cell, every fiber within my body just screamed out to the universe, God! And in that moment, she went, and that hot dog came out. When you call out to God in the speed of light, he'll be there at your side if you call on the name of Jesus. I was sitting in a small group one week, a friend of mine named Steve. We were going around sharing how we came to experience God. I said, hey, Steve, so what's your story? He said, well, I used to be a lifeguard. One day, I'm sitting at the pool. I'm actually on duty. It's a big pool, lots of people. It's summertime. It's crowded. And on the far end of the pool, there's this commotion. So Steve runs over there. Somebody pulled out this little girl out of the pool. She's already gone. She's already purple. This lady who was sitting nearby, she stood up, and at the top of her lungs, she began to scream. She said, Jesus, help this girl. And all of a sudden, that girl coughed up water, and she started to breathe. And Steve said, because I witnessed that event, he said, I became a believer. Now, we don't need to just call on Jesus when there's a crisis. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. When you go to sleep, when you wake up, when you go throughout your day, there is this abiding that we can have in the spirit, in your heart. It's almost as if you're like a computer that's got two CPUs. One can focus on driving and work, and doing dishes, or whatever it is that you're doing. But there's another. It's called your spirit, which is able also to commune with God and talk with him. And God wants us to pray continually without ceasing, and to, be, to stay in his presence, and to be with him. Every morning that I wake up, I take time to be with the Lord, kneel at my bedside, most mornings, I take communion. Just get a piece of bread from the fridge and get some little bit of wine there. And I just go sit in my living room and I just sit before the Lord and I say, God, just search my heart. And then every week, he shows me something that needs to come under the blood of Jesus. And I just get into that place of being in communion with God through the sacrifice of Jesus. And then... It's my desire, my prayer to stay in that place of God's presence all throughout the day. I share these stories because it includes an important principle about our relationship with God. I'll bring it to a close by sharing you this verse from Isaiah chapter 30. 
So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. I'd like us to take some time to pray and to wait in God's presence. We've been singing it this morning. It's been good. And I want us to take it home with us throughout this day, this week. I want to take some time as a church to pray. You know, it's interesting the way it worked with Peter. He was in jail. He was, felt like he was in a helpless situation. But others were praying for him. And so what I'd like us to do today is maybe you feel like there is something in your life. You feel almost like it's a prison as well. It's not physical, but it's a situation like, God, I just can't seem to get out of this. I just can't seem to change this. I just don't seem to be able to make it go away. And it's like you're captive in this thing. What I'd like us to do is just take some time to pray, whatever that is. And I'm going to ask intercessors or people from the prophetic team uh, to come on up. Well, Jarrett, make sure we have the MC mic. And we're just going to take time to pray for the church. And so whichever way you find yourself, whether you're in a place of need and you're going to just receive prayer, or maybe you're at a better place and you want to intercede and pray for the church, we're all going to participate in this time of seeking God's presence. And so if you would, close your eyes and just bow your heads. We're going to take some time to pray. And if some of the leaders here feel led, God just kind of reveals to you a certain need to pray for, to intercede for the church. I want to invite you to come on up. And Jared, go ahead and come on up and bring the mic. We're going to take some time to pray. Our Father, we thank you that you're here. And Lord, whether it's an urgent need that we sense or simply the desire to be with you, to be in your presence, to soak in your presence, and to receive your grace, your love, your enabling, your guidance, fellowship with you. Lord, we want more of you. And so as we're waiting on God, if you would just turn the eyes of your heart toward him and watch and listen to whatever it is that God wants to address today and just listen to what he wants to say. And so just rest in his presence and receive his peace. We're just going to take time God is here. He's here for you. Lord, I ask that you would tune our heart to yours. Lord, help us to dial it in. Lord, we ask that you would allow us to hear 
help us to see. God, we want you. On one of the nights of, uh, that we were praying and, and fasting, um, God reminded me in a funny way of, of something. Um, I was watching news bloopers, bloopers and funny stuff was going on. And this newscaster was at this festival where this guy was, uh, he had a, you know, he was making a, a, a vase out of, out of clay. And, he's, and he had already shaped it and molded it into this nice-looking, simple vase. And she came up, and she was going to have a try at it. So she gives the mic to someone, and she begins to shape and mold it, and she begins to warp the top a little bit. And he tells her, so, oh, wait, you have, to, you have to wet your hands. So she goes, and she dips her fingertips in some water, and she begins to try again. But in literally five seconds, she demolishes the whole vase. It collapses under her hands. And what I believe God is saying through that is that, remember, he's the potter. We're the clay. He shapes and molds us and he works in us. And, and on this island of Guam and in every nation of, of this earth, God is at work. That, that vase, that pot, or whatever it is of clay is his work. And we don't want to be a people that comes in and takes his hand away from his work and messes it up. We don't want to be a people that delays anything that he's trying to do. Because the thing is, God will always get done. He will always accomplish what he wants to do. He will simply reshape the clay and remold it. But I, I share that because it speaks to our character as a people. It speaks to our integrity and our willingness to let God shape and mold every aspect of our life, to shape and mold every work that he's doing right here on this island of Guam. So, Lord Father, I, I pray that we would be a people that would not get in the way. Lord Father, that we would partner with you and allow you to teach us and how to accomplish your work here on this island. Lord Father, that we wouldn't delay things because of our weakness in our character or, or a place in, in, in our heart, Lord Father. You want to do great and mighty things on this island. And I pray that you would get your people ready. Search our hearts, Lord Father. Shape and mold our hearts so we don't put a dent or delay any of your work. I just wanted to share this um, scripture. I was praying one time, actually, um, just recently, and um, the Lord just um, impressed to me how his church is the bride of Christ. And um, Sabrina shared, you know, things about 
that this morning and um, and so um, I, I sense that the Lord wants to share this scripture in Ezekiel 16 that truly we are we are the bride of Christ and he's gonna come for us um, he's gonna come for us um, whom he loved and we're longing for him and you know any any bride is excited to get married to her husband and that's that's what um, just the Lord wants to impress you know in my heart that we are the bride of Christ and and so in Ezekiel um, 16 and it also um, this one is also kind of like in line with one of the prophetic word that um, Terry shared you know about going back to our first love um, and I believe you know when when we um, came in the front and you know wanting to have you know to go back to our first love you know the, I, I believe the Lord was pleased with that and I think this is his response in Ezekiel 16 when I pass by you again and look upon you indeed your time was the time of love so I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness so I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you and you became mine says the Lord your God then I washed in water yes I thoroughly washed off your blood and I anointed you with oil I clothe you in embroidered clothes and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothe you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorn you with ornaments, put bracelet on your wrist and chain on your neck, and I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, and beautiful crown in your head. You were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothing was fine linen, you ate pastry of fine flour, honey and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. You were perfect my splendor which I bestowed on you says the Lord your God and so Father thank you God thank you Lord that this is your response to us God that you want to love us Lord and you want us to experience your deep love for us God your love that is strong as death Lord make us a seal upon your heart God and thank you, Lord, for that, that because love, perfect, your perfect love drives out fear. Lord, and so I pray, Lord, that you touch our heart, Lord, as a church, that we are truly your bride, that you also love, that you bestow beauty upon us, God, that you cleanse us. Lord, that you cleanse us as white as snow, Lord, as pure as gold, God. And so, Father, thank you, Lord, that because of that perfect love, that we will not fear anything. Lord, that we will stand and and Lord, even as a church, Lord, that um, Lord, that we are splendored with your love, and God, that we are your beloved, Lord, and Lord, that we will stand with that, our securities in your love, God, and that's who, Lord, that we will stand on who we are as a beloved of God, and Lord, that nothing can separate us from your love, neither heights nor depth, no angels or demons, nor anything, sickness or Lord, or anything, Lord, would separate us from your love. And so, yes, God, grow us deeper, deeper in love, God, in you, Lord. And so, God, when we have that, Lord, that we will serve out of love. We will do ministry out of love, Lord, because that's one thing you want to ask God of us. And, Lord, that's your first and the greatest commandment is to love you with all our heart as you have loved us. And then, Lord, the result will be loving others. Lord, as you love us. And so, Lord, it boils down, Lord, to our relationship with you, Lord. Your love, our love relationship for you and your love relationship with us. And so, Lord, yes, grow deeper 
Lord, grow, Lord, let our, your love grow deeper in our heart, God. Lord, for the next coming years and from, you know, from this day on in the next, next coming years, Lord, that will make us secure in who we are and what we are and what you have called us, Lord. And so thank you, God, for your love, Lord. Just shower us with your love even right now, Lord, even in our brokenness and even in our sin, Lord, even in our, Lord, in, in, in the struggles that we have, I pray you pour out your love on us, God. You pour out your love, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's all stand. I just want to highlight what Zandra said over and over. You heard her talk about God's love. Do you remember when you first fell in love? Do you remember how you could just spend hours and hours and hours talking with the person that you fell in love with? And it wasn't an effort. It was a joy. You just couldn't think about anything else. You know, sometimes prayer can feel like a spiritual discipline. But the secret is falling in love with God again. The secret to that is letting him reveal his love to you. The more we know his love for us, the more we love him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing love. And I ask that you would reveal your love for each one of us and for your church and for the world. And God, as you allow us to understand, allow us to experience your heart, Lord, thank you that you are drawing us into this love relationship with you. Lord, thank you that we will just naturally talk with you, listen to you, and seek you. And so God, as we've heard twice today, we are the bride of Christ Lord, we ask that you would allow us to enter into the fullness of all that you've called us to be, individually, as couples, as families, and as a church family. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday.